Okay, so in today's episode, I'm going to be talking all about when is the best time, the right time, the correct time to hire a virtual assistant for your business. Now, I work with businesses from many different industries. I think we're up to about 35 different industries of quite a few different sizes, zero to 48 employees as the current record for the number of people uh, in a business when we work with them. And in each of those cases, they all have different reasons for why they haven't yet had a virtual assistant. In this episode, I'm going to explore what those are and explain why now is the right time to hire a virtual assistant, no matter where you are in your business journey. So the question is this, how do entrepreneurs like us who don't have an endless supply of cash, how do we leverage the best apps, virtual assistants, automation tools and systems to scale our businesses, increase our profits and have more time to do what we love to do each day? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Dr. Steve Day and this is Systemize Your Success. Okay, so today I really want to explore something that just comes up time and time again. It's one of the most asked about questions in any time I do a live Q&A or a interview. It's always like, when is the right time for a business to hire a virtual assistant? And to me, it is a bit of a strange question, but that's only because of the knowledge I now have. Now, I started out my businesses, I didn't hire a, a virtual assistant for nearly two decades. So, of course, I was also in that camp of either not knowing what one was or how I could find one or even being aware they existed. And then I became an absolute advocate of using virtual assistants and remote workers from all over the world. And so what changed and what have I learned from that transition and also from coaching hundreds of business owners about working with virtual assistants as part of their business systemization journey? Because we focus on systems, but part of that is about knowing who the best person to get that work done is, whether it's the actual creating of and the documenting of the systems or actually the doing of the work itself. That's where I believe virtual assistants can play a huge role in any business. But virtual assistants aren't just about doing things like that. Virtual assistants just basically means somebody who is working for you that doesn't live in your office when they work or aren't situated in your office during work hours. It could be someone sat in a office just down the road in an agency. It could be someone sitting at home, you know, in their pants doing their work on a laptop for you. It could be someone sat, as in many of our employees are, on the other side of the world. So we have staff in the Philippines, in South Africa, in Pakistan. I worked with people in, in Eastern Europe before, in South America, in Finland. I live in Sweden. My PA is in the UK. So I am truly a global team, a global company. And the transition, though, that going from being a you know home-based uh, company, working in an office, or even you know even, even if you are a one-man band or one-woman band working from home, and you're just hiring your first assistant, often people do that locally, whether that's you know if you're in the UK or in um, your states or Australia, wherever you're listening to this podcast, in fact, and um, and yeah, and how do you basically turn your company and take advantage of? The fact that there are an incredible abundance of incredibly talented and dedicated and motivated and trustworthy people in the world who desperately want work. They want to do good work. They want to progress their careers. They want to be better people. They want to be able to serve a business that has their best interests at heart, that is doing some good in the world. And if you can give them a platform to be you know, a member of your team about bringing, you know, doing great work in your business they will be gladly give their time and their energy to do that. 
And that's a lot more that can be said for a lot of people who are looking for work as an easy way to earn a few quid to be able to then spend it on consumables and basically just have an easy life in a modern or Western, uh, sorry, not modern, but in a Western country, which you often find, unfortunately. And, and that may seem harsh saying that, but I know from employing people and trying to employ people and watching more and more importantly, seeing many of my clients trying to find good staff for their companies, they really struggle sometimes to find people at a decent rate in the home countries. And they are almost forced, the hand is almost forced to look abroad because they can't find the quality. It's not about the cost in most cases. It's about the quality of worker that they need, even if they increase the wages above and beyond what the typical wage of that particular role would be. They can't find the staff. And so they go abroad because they, I recommend that, you know, we found some brilliant people. I tell them about the stories, the countless stories, the dozens or even hundreds of stories now of ourselves and our clients who have found brilliant people who are dedicated and motivated. They have different incentives for working and different motivations behind them. And it turns them into absolutely loyal and dedicated and brilliant workers. And by actually reaching out, you can find excellent people. And the knock-on effect, not the knock-on effect, it's the wrong word, sorry. The hidden advantage of that, or actually not so hidden either, the advantage of that also is not only do you find people that can do the work to a higher standard than you can back in your home country, but they also cost you a fraction of what it would to hire somebody locally. And also in doing so, you are providing somebody in a country where employment may, and also the state of the, the um, government and the social services means that those people are living in poverty, are living in terrible conditions, and you can offer them a lifeline. Their family is not just the one person you help when you employ someone off in these countries. It's the entire family and even the community beyond. So you can do a lot of good in the world by looking further field. And if you think it's about you're worried about, you know, not giving local people a chance to get jobs. And I had a chat with a, a gentleman yesterday and he was talking about how he provides very passionate about providing jobs locally. And he'd done that and he got 250 employees and um, working uh, in, in his local community. And he was proud of the fact he was providing real you know, uh, uh, opportunities for for commitment, for, for sorry, for employment in a country, company which is going places for a community which would otherwise not really have any options but for, for, for the young people, the up and coming people to move away to London or whatever to go and find jobs. And he was proud about that. And I was very you know, impressed by what he'd managed to achieve. But he had come to me because he couldn't find the staff he needed to get the work done to the quality that he wanted to. And he was looking for an option to maybe to expand his uh, uh, outlook on where he should be employing and going overseas to actually find the quality of work. And therefore, I've talked about the, what the advantages of actually giving back to the wider community, the worldwide community as well. And he was, you know, all behind that as well. So it doesn't have to be anything about being selfish and about um, thinking, oh, I'm just doing this to save a few quid. It's not about that. It's about building a business that's sustainable, that's lasting, that can actually live the, to the, the, the lived, um, live through the difficult years when you haven't got an abundance of cash and then provide jobs to your community when you are growing, you are big and you are successful and you are profitable. Of course, you can give back to your local community and employ local people if you want to do it. But if you never get there because you go bankrupt, then you've got no option. So that's why for me, and I'm going to go into some more detail in a second, but from the sort of high level philosophical sort of approach to why it's so important to actually think about hiring virtual assistants and really remote workers is a word I prefer to use is because you are opening your 
uh, your opportunities to the worldwide job market. And therefore, you're tapping into, you know, billions of potential employees rather than the millions that are in your company. And it's just a factor. It's just a numbers game. You will find brilliant people because you have a far bigger pool to pick from. Okay, with all that said, that intro into why I believe that all companies at any stage should be thinking about hiring. Let's just go into a little bit more detail. So what happens if you truly think you aren't ready to take on somebody, that you're just getting started? You've not really got your own ideas down. You don't know what you delegate. Maybe you don't think you've got enough work or you, know, you don't need to hire somebody. You've got all the time in the world and you've not got a lot of income. And so you know, maybe you don't feel at all that you are ready. And I've heard this time and time again. And what I then see is those same people coming back to me in a few months or weeks or uh, maybe even you know, in some case of longer years coming back and saying they wish they'd listened to my advice back then and had somebody when they didn't desperately need them. Because then what happens is if you don't take somebody on in those early stages and you know learn about delegation, learn about creating systems so people can do your work for you without your involvement, learn about how to actually find good people, how to assess them, how to know they're the right fit for your company. Think about your values, all of this tweaking and iteration. It doesn't all come in one go. You don't just sort of wake up one morning and think, you know what, I'm going to create the perfect uh, uh, tr uh, hiring, onboarding, training and de de delegation strategy and then bish, bash, bosh, at the end of the day, it's all finished. No, it's a trial and error approach. It's taken me six years to develop that stuff. And this is what we teach people in our courses. All of that thing that gives you a blueprint so you don't have to think and worry about any of that yourself. And you can speak to me if you want our help doing that. Just contact us through our website, the Systemize Your Success website. Get our contact list and just fire us over an email and we can help you with that. That's not what this is about. <laughs> Sorry, a little tiny pitch there. There you go. So um, when you are um, taking, when you are thinking about, oh, I haven't got any work with somebody or when should I take somebody on? The wrong thing to do is to think that, you know, oh, I just, when I need it, it'll just happen. It doesn't. It all takes iterative improvement. And so start that process when you've got some headspace, some time, you've got some energy, you don't desperately need somebody. It's not mission critical work you need to offload. It's like just the day to day, the boring, the mundane stuff, the research, you know, the stuff you're basically just spending time doing. Because if you can start that process of learning how to find the right people and sacking a few people along the way and making your mistakes and people leaving you because you're a terrible manager and you don't delegate properly or you don't give them any work for the first three weeks because you never got round to it and you learn the hard way by making these mistakes. But by making those mistakes, you also learn. And then when you do need somebody, you're ready. You've got your systems in place. You've got your onboarding strategy. You know what apps you're going to use. You know how you delegate effectively. You know how you document tasks and create systems and, and get other people to do your work for you without your involvement because you've done it a hundred times before when you didn't need it, when it wasn't stressful. Because the worst thing you can do is bring somebody into your company, your first employee, or whether you've got a team of, of or maybe you've got an existing local team and you're hiring your first remote worker, the worst thing you can do is to bring that person in and then give them something mission critical to do and then them to fail. It's then cause you a lot of stress you reflect that stress back on them, ruins the relationship and trust and that person ends up leaving or you end up sacking them. That's the worst thing you can do. The best thing you can do, as I said, is make all your mistakes when it's not so important. So when you bring that person in, you're confident about how you delegate and therefore you know that if they do a, if they do a bad job, it's more on them than you. If they do a good job, uh, then obviously that's what you're, what you're hoping for anyway. So the problem is though, and this is the big problem I face, is it trying to convince people 
they need to start thinking about hiring a remote worker or an employee or whatever at a time when they don't believe they need it. They felt no pain of being stressed. They felt no anguish about, you know, what, how am I going to uh, pick up my kids from school because I've got a mountain of work to do or, you know, sleeping, you know, two hours a night just to try and get stuff done. And all the stuff that we do, crazy stuff that we do as entrepreneurs, before they've actually hit those hurdles along the way, how do you convince someone of that? And that's why this podcast is important. This particular podcast episode is important is because I want to open people's eyes earlier than they may otherwise, because people that are already feeling the pain and are seeking out, you know, a solution to that pain, to that problem, they're easy. They're much more easy to convince. But it's those of you that are listening to this now that maybe haven't quite got there yet. So that is this is really who this episode is for. But we're going to explore a little bit more in the next few minutes about other uh, other considerations to make and let's go on the flip side of this let's let's go to counter the i don't really have enough work or i've got an abundance of time i don't need anybody let's look at the other point of view and, and probably an equal number of people i speak to um through various means or whatever will say to me you know i, I love the idea of this steve you know getting my work done by somebody else or i love the idea of creating systems in my business so i can remove myself from the day-to-day and have more time i just haven't got time to do it I mean, to me, when I hear someone say that, it's sort of like it's a, it's a you know, red rag to a bull almost, but not in an angry way. It's sort of like it's, it's an invitation, I should say, for me to hopefully to, to educate and to give people or open people's eyes to the possibilities and the, and the life-changing possibilities of actually taking on your first uh, virtual assistant. And so I actually spoke to somebody um, relatively recently, and this was their reason for not wanting to actually get started. They were too busy. They had too many things going on and they were basically running around, you know, like a headless chicken doing everything and making themselves pretty, pretty stressed out and, and probably end up uh, at some point in the not too distant future burning out. And it's such a shame because that person had such potential of making some brilliant businesses. They had amazing ideas, obviously a very intelligent person, but not really a systemization type person, not really a delegation type person. But but to use an analogy, I'm trying to think of a good analogy before I uh, did this episode, and we'll see if this one works. But you imagine that, you know, you have to walk to work every day and you're walking, you know, maybe 30 miles to walk. It's a long, long walk to work. And yeah, you could, you know, learn to, you know, cycle a bike and that would cut the time by about 50%, which would be a massive saving or maybe, a, you know, electric scooter or something and, you know, similar, you know, cut it down by about 50%. But you're still taking up a huge amount of time just walking there. And it's, it's unproductive time. You're not getting anything done. And so the, the analogy is that you don't bother to learn how to drive a car, which would get you there in a fraction of time and then free up enough time in your life to do wonderful things. You don't do that because you haven't got time to take lessons. So you can see that if I do this thing, if I just pass my test, my driving test, I will save, you know, an hour a day or two hours a day or whatever it was. But I'm not going to do that because I haven't got the time to take the lessons. That's the sort of thing you've got to understand about business systems and about outsourcing and about using staff or virtual assistants is that the, the lifestyle difference you get from having someone to delegate to you and the opportunity difference you get. So the opportunity cost of not doing this is massive because when someone comes to you and says, hey, do you want this new business? Do you want to take on this project? Do you want to get involved with this JV? Whatever it is that the opportunity is, if you're running around like a headless chicken, you maybe you'll try and take it on and juggle it amongst your other stuff. But, you know, you're not going to be able to give it your full attention and it's probably going to not go as well as it could. But conversely, if you've already got a team in place, you're like, yeah, yeah, let's take it on. 
because you know you can just delegate a bit more and basically you know maybe hire somebody else you've already learned the hard way about hiring you know how to do it right now growing a team isn't a problem you've got a good system in place like our recruit right hiring system and you know you can just bring someone else in and grow your team to take on the additional work if you've done all that the opportunities open up so it's not even like an opportunity cost but it's an opportunity invitation you can go out looking for opportunities because you've got the capacity and the headspace to do so so that analogy of not bothering to learn to drive to save you know two hours a day because you haven't got time to learn to learn to actually do your tests i think it's a good one and let's look another objection or or barrier that people often have and i've touched on this like it's not actually super easy to do this it's not like oh you're just going to turn up tomorrow and everything's going to work swimmingly the first person you ever employ is going to be the last person that leaves your company and you know every time you delegate tasks it's going to be done perfectly you know that's not the reality if you follow someone's lead and you get help it can be quicker but either way you're going to make a lot of mistakes on the way so one of the fears and one of the things that really stops people from actually taking that leap is just that lack of knowledge that lack of understanding of how do i do this how do I actually um, go ahead and actually find somebody? So the big barrier often is I just don't know how to do it. And like with most, th most things, like when you start doing anything new, you're just going to suck. Like it's going to be pretty pants. You're going to be rubbish at it. And so you have to be prepared that you're going to make some mistakes along the way. And so not uh, just simply not knowing how shouldn't be a reason why you don't give it a go. And, you know, as I said, there's loads of resources, like go through this podcast, you'll find out how you actually hire a, a virtual assistant and what you do with them when they arrive and how you know what tasks you need to outsource. It's all in here. It's all at your disposal. Go onto our, our YouTube channel, go onto our website, you'll find us. If you need more help, you know, there's ourselves, there's other places out there. You don't want to do any hiring yourself. There's brilliant agencies. Again, I've interviewed people that do hiring, uh, you know, as part of their, their, uh, their job to hire virtual assistants for the likes of you. So there's no reason why you can't get started with this. It just takes a little bit of time. And again, it's going back to thinking, oh, you know, oh, I'm not going to learn that, that, that basics, but I haven't got time. But the, the prize is so big that, um, that you uh that you uh that you've got to just just basically dedicate a few few hours to actually getting this over uh getting over the line and i think another another um i think a good way i don't know if this analogy works i'm going to try it anyway but there's this idea i had and going back to this idea of you know learning to drive a car like you don't often own a car when you learn how to drive one most of the time depending on maybe if you come from a very affluent family you do have a car but most of the time for me, anyway, I used to drive. I used to. I learned to drive to drive in the, the the driver the lesson whatever their car. So they would pick me up in their car, uh, the instructor's car, and we go and drive around the block a few times. And then the idea is, you know, when I passed my test, we would get a car, and actually, um, I would get access to the car. We 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 um, uh, I tell lie, my brother had a, a car that I was going to borrow, but the analogy still works. Um, if I I'm just have a very bad memory. But anyway, um, the point is that a lot of people, um, including um, uh, a lot of people, they don't have a car when they're doing their lessons. And so they, uh, they basically will do the lessons in the driving instructor's car like I did. And, uh, and then when they get to the end, the prize will be that they'll get a car. And, uh, and that, is, I think, is a brilliant analogy in thinking about like, well, I haven't done it before. I don't know how to do it. You know, it's almost like um, I haven't got the virtual, I haven't got the staff. So therefore, I'm not going to learn how to get the staff. And again, it's such a shame because it isn't that difficult. It just takes a bit of commitment to get there, to set up the right apps so you know when they come on board, you can you know work effectively with them. And then 
when, when you've got somebody, it's a bit like, you know, you get your driving test or you get your passing test, you find that first person. And then that's when the learning starts. That's when you really learn how to drive. Is when you actually, you know, you get on the road in front of the front of the wheel for the first time with nobody sat in the car with you, and you're thinking, oh my god, like what what could possibly go wrong now? Everything, you know, everything could go wrong. But because you're, you know, you have, you know, excuse the pun, your eyes on the road and you, you're basically concentrating. You know, you've got a thousand things to think about, but you seem to just get from A to B most of the time without crashing into too many things. And that's the, the the idea, you know. But do you stall at the lights sometimes? Of course you do. Do you, you know, clip the the wall as you're reversing out of the dentist like I did once and knock the wall down? Of course you do. Do you, do you park into a post in the car park? Yeah, of course you do. You do all these things, but it doesn't stop you from driving and it doesn't stop you from one day becoming a competent, safe driver. And it's the same with this. You're going to fail so many times. So not getting started now, I don't think it should be an, ex an excuse why not to. Another big reason that people don't take on an assistant um, especially in the early days, is they think they haven't got enough work for somebody. They think that, you know, I, I can't, I don't have 20 hours or 40 hours work every week for somebody. So there's no point in me taking somebody on. But if you're doing the work of one and a half people or even two people, so you're doing, you know, 60 hours or 80 hours of, of work a week, there is a real point to you offloading some of that. And actually, even if you're only doing 40 hours or 30 hours a week because you've got other things outside of work you have to juggle, maybe like me, when you started out in business, you had another job and you're trying to juggle a career, full-time career and a job on the side. So if you're doing those two things, you know, maybe, you know, you um, maybe you uh, you don't feel you have enough work in the one business to warrant taking somebody on. There's lots of reasons why you can think that you don't have enough work. But the reality is that, Let's just say you're only working 20 hours a week in your business and the rest of the time you actually, you know, you, you're just doing other stuff. That 20 hours, unless you're focusing that 20 hours on the highest income generating tasks in your business, unless you're focusing purely on generating sales or delivering incredible value to your clients or creating solutions to problems that people are going to pay you big money for, unless that's what you're doing, then you're not really serving your business as an entrepreneur. You're instead probably doing a lot of admin. You're probably doing all the stuff that actually you really shouldn't be doing, but you think you're busy. And people do the expression, you know, you're a busy fool, as in like literally you're running around like a headless chicken thinking you're being really productive when actually all you're doing is being busy and you're actually not taking your business forward and growing your business because you're literally just running around, fingers in every pie, trying to spin every play, all those cliche phrases you can think of, but they all really resonate with me because I used to be, and another cliche phrase, running around like a headless chicken, just basically trying to be everyone to every every trying to be everything to everyone and really getting nowhere fast in the process. And so, my God, there's a lot of cliche phrases in that last few sentences. But the point is this: that it doesn't matter how little work you've got, unless you are only focusing on your highest income generating tasks. You are at the moment you should be hiring somebody. And well, now we need to get over the barrier of what if you've only got one hour a week? How do you actually find somebody to help you with that? And somebody reliable, somebody who's going to stick around, somebody who's going to actually, you know, work with you. And it's actually different ways you can do this. So let me tell you a story about when I first ever had an assistant. So actually, I tell you, my first ever, ever assistant uh, was somebody from the UK. And I hired that person called Joanna from Upwork. And I, I can't actually remember how many hours. I, I think it was about 20 hours a month originally I, um, I, I took her on for. So five hours a week. And then, um, for whatever reasons, mainly because of money, and I've talked about it in the podcast, 
Um, but that just didn't work out. Uh, nothing to do with her. She was brilliant. I just, I, you know, all the stuff that I've now now uh, figured out how to do better, I didn't do well back then. But I then went back in. And I tried to hire somebody cheaper from, um, it was from India, from a company called MyTasker. And I basically bought 10 hours per month. So that was two and a half hours a week I was committed to paying for. Um, and even then I struggled to actually find enough work to fill two and a half hours a week sometimes. So sometimes my my hours would just disappear because I wouldn't pay for them. So whenever you're using an agency, it's typically the case. You pay for a monthly allowance. And um, for that, you then get a bit of a discount because you're sort of committing to a subscription. And then uh, if you don't use it, it sort of disappears. But that was two and a half hours a week. And I still, I still sort of couldn't find enough work, but I still did it. And that's the key. I did it. And that made the difference because I learned how to do it. I learned how not to do it. I learned when I gave stuff, you know, delegated tasks out, tasks out one way, I didn't get the results I wanted. When I did it another way, I did get the results I wanted. And slowly over time, I refined those processes and I, you know, in the end, created an entire business about teaching how other people how to do that effectively on scale, you know, and, and, and starting from, you know, zero all the way up to if you've got, you know, 50 or 100 employees. And that, you know, that's what I do every day of my life now. And I absolutely love it. But it started out with me being an, a busy fool, getting some help, having a go, failing badly, failing forward, as they say, kept on failing, kept on failing. And finally, iteratively, I got it better and got it better and got it better to a point where actually I was getting my work done to a high standard without my involvement and at a price I could actually afford. So that's one way to do it. Another way is just to take someone out ad hoc. So you could go on to, like I suggested before, go on to Upwork. So, uh, sorry, Joanna, who I employed from Upwork, um, you could just hire somebody from there or Fiverr.com, for example, uh, and just find somebody doing some ad hoc work. So pay them, you know, five, 10, 20 pounds an hour, whatever, just to do some work for you. So, hey, I've got this little task you can do. Can you help me out with it? And I used to do this a lot for slightly more technical stuff. This is really good for or graphic design work or website stuff or spreadsheet work. So um, I'll tell you a more recent, I've got stories about this in the past, but a very recent story, one of our clients. So we're on a coaching call with my clients and she was explaining this, this process that she went through about um, generating, uh, she's in service accommodation and she was generating the reports for her, the, the landlords that she rents the properties from and then she rents them back out, rent to rent it's called. And um, she was generating the reports every single month for these, for the landlords. And this was taking her like, quite a long time, a couple of hours to do. It's like click, 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 click all over the show, like copy and pasting all this stuff, blah, 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 all in spreadsheets, real, real sort of messy process. And um, and she was asking me to help her systemize it so she could get someone else to do it. And I was like, yeah, of course I can help you do that. There's no problem at all. Um, and, you know, we can get this off your plate, you know, you know, in I'll get this done today. This is like literally this is what we do for a living. But have you thought about just hiring somebody to write you some code to do that entire process for you? And so she's like, she's like, what? You can do that? And it was like, yeah. So it's basically, we, I, I said, look, just go on to Fiverr, post a video of you doing this job and say, look, can anybody create a macro, it's called, uh, you know, a little program, computer program to do all of these clunky tasks for me at the click of a button. And $100 later and a couple of days of touring and throwing, and she had this program written for her that will work, you know, we just plugged into a spreadsheet. It's not like a fancy program. And it's got a macro and it basically just does all that work for her in a click of a button, an instant. And so she doesn't have to design a system. She doesn't have to, you know, create a um, or pay someone a wage or worry about, you know, all the rest of it, the delegation and training, all that for that particular task, because it's literally just a machine. So that's an example of like, like, 
he, she, she doesn't need a, a programmer full time. She's got one ad hoc task that so she just you know, I use it as an example. But I've done the same thing for, hey, can you design me a logo? My logo for my company cost me five dollars off uh, off oh, ten dollars. Sorry, I think off uh, off Fiverr.com. You know, and it never it just stuck. And it's, you know, you don't have to pay a fortune for stuff. I didn't hire a graphic designer to do that. At the time I had no money and, and didn't want to waste any more uh, on, on graphic design and stuff that I needed to. You know, I will probably revamp that at some point, but it's stuck for six years now. So uh, best $10 I ever spent. Um, so there's lots of things you can get done on an ad hoc base like that. You've also got the option to hire someone part-time. So taking someone on just for five hours a week or five hours a month even, just to have a, have a discussion with them. What What is it that they want? You know, do they do they want to work full time? Do they want to um, actually uh, work just a few hours and just negotiate with them? People always are a bit worried about, you know, what you know. Is it okay if I just offer this many hours? Is it okay if I uh, don't give them regular regular work? Is it okay if I don't know how many hours I'm going to give them? The answer is, of course, it is. As long as you just tell them, this is a human being you're employing to help you do some work. So just say to them, I don't know how many hours I'm going to give you. Is that okay? And they can either turn around and say yes, or they can turn around and say no. The worst thing you can do, and what I've seen, and I hold my hands up, I have done this myself wrong in the past, and I see it time and time again now, is that people commit, overcommit, and they say, I'm going to give you 20 hours, I'm going to give you 40 hours, I need three virtual assistants right away, bang. Again, mistake number three that I talked about a while ago is that never have more than one uh, virtual assistant at the same time, especially, well, in the early days, definitely. Anyway, we digress. But the point is that, just coming up with 40 hours worth of work to give to somebody off the, you know, from nowhere is really, really hard. Even 20 hours will stretch you if you've got no systems in place. When you've got systems to delegate and manage people, it's easy. You know, I have a team of five people right now. They all work. So what's that, 200 hours a week? No problem. I could, get, I could hire five more and fill their days, you know, and, and probably will do very shortly. But the point is that, you know, when you've got systems and you've got work and you generate income, it's easy to grow. When you're starting out and you're just basically you, it's all in your head, you've got to delegate stuff. So start small, start slow, and then build up and just accept that in six months, for what you know, now you may have five hours a week. In six months' time, you probably have 40. In 12 months' time, you probably have 200. If you take it slow. If you try to do too much, it just becomes overwhelming. And then... Um, and lastly, there's a point about this, about this is a bit, a bit of a, a tangent, but I, I put it down on this on my notes because it's such an important point. It was brought up in a, a, um, a, a coaching call I had with one of my elite coaching clients um, a couple of weeks ago. And the lady who I was coaching, she was talking about being uh, who's like hiring for a role. She said, well, I don't have enough, um, you know, enough tasks for a social media person. I don't have enough tasks for a admin person. So should I try and like bunch a load of stuff together? And, and or, you know, is that a bad thing? I said, well, first of all, you're not going to get somebody who's good at doing, you know, backend web design, uh, you know, coding and someone's already good at also doing uh, front end customer service and sales. So you've got to pick your battles. So pick one type of role and hire for that. But then, then the discussion was about, well, I don't have enough work in that sort of project. And I was like, Stop thinking at this stage in your business about hiring for specific roles so much, about specific projects and thinking, you know, um, that this project will end. So again, I'm going to actually rewind and explain this a bit better because I think this will uh, I can explain this better. If, for example, you had a project where you wanted somebody to do a chunk of work, maybe you were saying, I want to get someone to write up some operation manuals. I've got about 50 to do. It's going to be about two weeks work. It's, in my opinion, it's wrong for you to say, 
I just need someone for two weeks. Are you available for two weeks? Because if that person comes in and you think they're brilliant, you will want to keep them. Now, because you will want to keep them if they come in, you're actually not hiring for a two-week project. You're saying the first piece of work my new staff member will do is this piece of work for two weeks. If they aren't any good, I won't be keeping them on. It doesn't matter. Like, this is not about hiring for a project. It's about hiring a person. Because if they are brilliant, you will find work for them because brilliant people are hard to find. So the work you're going to put into doing the hiring process is the hard bit. Once you find that person, you do they do this little task, this little project for you. So a finite project, you think, you know, I haven't got any work going forward. So that's the point of this. I haven't got enough work. I haven't got any work from going forward. But if they're brilliant, you'll find work for them. So I would never hire somebody on a very short term project unless, like in my examples previously, you're designing a bit of code. You're creating a logo. These are very, very um, start and end projects. And you probably don't need a full time graphic designer right now or a part-time graphic designer either, but I still keep them on my books to still have an open-ended contract. I wouldn't say there's a definite end date. I would say, you know, depending on the way you're going to pay this person, uh, if it's for a graphic design, you might pay them for a logo. But in this example I'm saying before, is that if you're doing um, admin work for you for a couple of weeks, just take them on. And then just, just if, they're, if they're no good, let them go. Simple as that, don't overthink it. All right, uh, I'm going to crack on. So um, next point I wanted to talk about today was not having enough money. So people say, I haven't got enough money to take on an assistant. And that is just nonsense. I'm sorry. You know, okay. Some people who literally have just started a business, they've got debts to their eyeballs. They're just having to graft just to, you know, make rent. You know, they're, they're struggling to put food on the table. Of course, there's people that struggle. I'm not saying that's, that's you know, that's, that doesn't happen in the world. I'm not naive. I'm not stupid like that. And that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, if you are in business, and your business has got any turnover whatsoever, and you have clothes to wear, and you're going out, you know, even if you're going out for a coffee once a week, or you're going to the pub, you know, one night a week, or you're going out, just quit a few couple of things and realize that if you are working, running around like a headless chicken, back to what we we're talking about before, about, you know, having too much on your plate. Um, if you're running around like a headless chicken, then it means you're not focusing on the things that will make you money. Therefore, you're, the opportunity cost of you not actually focusing on those things are huge. Because if you know in your business that your business has the potential to make 10000 if you a month, even if you if you could just focus on one thing, like focus on sales, you could make 10000 If you keep on saying to somebody, you know, in the back or in your mind, you're telling, telling yourself, oh, if I could just dedicate a bit more time to sales, this company will be successful. If you truly believe that, then every minute you don't allow yourself to spend all your time focusing on those specific tasks in your business, you are costing yourself that amount of money per month because you know it's possible and you're choosing not to do the work needed to make it a reality. And the reason you kid yourself to say that, oh yeah, but I'm just too busy, I've just got to do this, is because you believe it's too expensive to get help. But our starting wage for people that work for our company, these are good people people with degrees, people with years of experience working in customer service, in admin roles, people who come with skills, they bring skills to the company. These people typically cost around $3.50, $4 an hour starting, and we pay well. So that's the sort of level you're talking about to start getting help. And one hour a week, you know, adds up over the course of a working year to more than a week's worth of work. You know, one hour a week, 52 weeks in a year, you know, just do the math more than 40 hours of work. So if you can just pay for one hour of someone's time at three or $4 an hour, 
then that will free up a whole week of you, a week of your time over the year. And if you just had one entire week to spend on, to focus, I should say, on you know making sales in your business today, could you make more than three or four dollars an hour uh, a week, I should say? You know, it's just, it's a no-brainer. So if you had one extra hour, let's keep it simple. If you had one extra hour every week purely to focus on sales, so you picked up that phone and you did nothing for an hour but phone people and sell, 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 whatever it is you do in your business, however, you know, you create a new marketing campaign, you, you know, uh, write a new YouTube ad, you, whatever it is you do to sell, you just do that focus for an hour every week. If you can't generate three or four dollars from that work after a couple of weeks anyway, then you're in the wrong business and you need to find a different business model. I'm sorry. So money should not be an object because as soon as you free time, you'll then be able to make more money and therefore it should be a profitable venture. When you hire people, it should make you richer. When you hire people, it should make you richer because you need to then delegate, delegate the time that you previously were doing the work, which you've now put on someone else's back to your higher income generating tasks and therefore your business will become more profitable as a direct result, as I just explained. Cool. So lastly, I want to just touch on one area, which is about already having an established team. So if you already have a team, then we're not going to start about, we're not talking talking here about when should you hire your first assistant and your first employee, because obviously you've got a team. But but should you should you consider hiring a virtual assistant, a remote worker, if you already have an established team and things are actually going all right for you, and you're still making profit and nothing's really broken you know, there's not many major pains in your in your HR uh, and your staffing. And my answer would be yes. And there's a big reason for this. So if you've got a fully systemized business that you don't need to be involved with day to day, you have an operation manual for everything that you do in your business with nicely mapped out processes and, you know, video guides, all the rest of it. And it's all polished and beautiful. And you're scaling your company. Well, you know, maybe this isn't going to be relevant to you. But for most of us, now, even myself, who does this for a living, I could say there's still room for improvement. There's a lot of areas of my business that I haven't even gone into yet because businesses change every single year. And the more you grow, the bigger you get, the more challenges you face and the bigger problems you have to solve. And therefore, you continually create new systems and refine and improve your old ones. So I'd say that I don't care where you're at in business. This still stands. If you are taking away your core members of staff, your highest value players in your team, so to speak, the people that have been in your company longest and all the, the work for you and do the work every day that are the experts in what they do each day. If those are the people that you're getting to try to create your systems, document tasks, write checklists, all the other stuff that you need to create systems, if you're getting those people to do it, then you're costing your business a huge amount of money in terms of opportunity cost. Back to the, the same analogy I talked about before with regards to when you have opportunity costs when you do work that's below your pay grade, so to speak, that's in the lower value brackets rather than doing your highest value, highest income generated tasks. If your employees are doing the same, it's costing you money in lost opportunity. You need to do the opposite. You need to free your staff up from lower value tasks to elevate them into a position where they're making your company more money, to make them more valuable. So you want to pay them more because they're actually creating more value and generating more income for your business. And the way to do that is to start by thinking about how do I make the process of systemization and therefore improve the ease of delegation to other people, so systems improve delegation. So how do I speed up the process of systemization to allow 
my staff to delegate down and elevate themselves up and do that without it taking them away from their work. The way you do that is to hire assistants. You hire people that are no, not, not currently required to do the operational side of your business. And therefore, they are, um, so they are supplement, superfluous. I can't say that word. They aren't necessary. They aren't needed in your business. They're extra. And, and therefore, you can use them for whatever you want because they're not, they're not needed. So what we do with those, in these roles is we get someone to come in. We train them up to be a systems creator. And then we get them to help create the systems for all of the positions of your existing staff without it burdening the existing staff. And then once you've got those systems that actually you can then hire new assistants paid lower because they worked in lower, lower wage communities or your low wage societies. And therefore you can pay them lower, but they get a really good, uh, good um, return on their investment of time. I think they're getting paid really well for their, for their time. Um, you're giving, you know, changing lives in countries where they desperately need employment but you're getting a really good deal as well. And you're able to elevate your existing staff to higher levels of value. And therefore your business becomes more profitable. So hiring that assistant is making you money. So it works both ways that, you know, if you're, if it's you being running around like a headless chicken or you doing stuff that you know you shouldn't do, hire an assistant, elevate yourself. Or if it's your staff that are doing too much themselves, hire an assistant, elevate them. That way your company will be more profitable as a direct result. And one last thing on this point, and I've got to close, unfortunately, but one last thing is when you hire people from remote, from um, remote, remote workers, when you hire remote workers, there's often a fear installed into your, into your staff that they're going to lose their jobs because they're basically going to, you know, the lower price worker is going to come in and steal their job. And that is a fear. And in some cases it will be founded because it will weed out the people that aren't, they're actually just, you know, they're just time wasted. They're just basically taking the mick. They're actually not really working hard. But those in your company will see this as an opportunity if you present it well. And go through this, you know, what I've just talked about now. You're presenting it as an opportunity for them to elevate themselves, for them to be able to deliver higher value, to be of more value to your company, and therefore ask for more compensation as a direct result. So if you position this, that, that by us hiring these lower wage workers, not lower quality workers, low wage workers, be able to come in and actually apply a systems philosophy to your business. If they can come in and do that, it will allow your local staff, your experienced staff to elevate up and actually earn more. They'll see it as an opportunity rather than as a risk or as a, uh, a you know, something to be fearful of. So as long as you position this right, it can be a massive boost to your productivity. And I've seen this done well. I've also seen it done badly. And if you do it well, it can really, really change things. So that's it. That's my little spiel about when is the right time to start. My conclusion is very simply that if you have time and money, then if you sorry, if you have time and money to kill, you're a rich man, you do nothing with your days and you enjoy doing, you know, whatever it is you do, then fine, do it. Do it yourself. But if you're like most of us in the world, actually, we're pretty overwhelmed, we're pretty stressed, we're trying to spin too many plates, we would like a little bit more money and we wouldn't like to work so hard to have to you know, graft to get it, then consider, no, not just consider, just go out and do it. And if you need help, then reach out to me. This is what we do every day. We help business owners to take that leap of faith and hire their first assistant or for them to grow their remote teams or for them to actually scale their businesses by utilizing low wage economies. And all the whole, everything we hinge on is about systemization. 
So if you want to know how to systemize your business so you can actually do this really effectively and without it you know, impacting uh, quality or whatever the fears you've got, we can totally get rid of those by, by building brilliant systems for you or with you and help you do that. So you know, reach out, give us a shout. If you're listening to us on the, on the uh, podcast, do us, leave us a review, leave us a star rating. It massively helps us get our rankings up. We're in the top 5% of all podcasts in the world at the moment um on uh one of the rating channels i can't remember what it's called now listen something i'll find out for next time uh so massively massively proud of that and uh yeah so thank you for being a listener to our show um and yeah keep listening that's all i can say oh and lastly when should you start if you haven't guessed it you should start now okay Thank you so much for joining me and listening to this episode. I'm well aware there are hundreds of great business podcasts out there and you chose to listen to this one. And for that, I am truly grateful. Hopefully what you heard today took you one step closer to building a successful business so you can share your passion with the world and serve an ever-growing number of people. If you got value out of today's episode, then so will someone else that you know. By sharing with others what has helped you along your way, you will grow your influence and be the guy or girl that everybody wants to know. So please hit the share button right now and also remember to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss future episodes. It's impossible for me to cover absolutely everything in these podcasts, so please do head over to systemizeyoursuccess.com right now and download the show notes, transcriptions, and some of my best frameworks and systems for free. Thanks again for tuning in and being a part of this amazing community. Until next time, this is Dr. Steve Day and you've been listening to Systemize Your Success. Oh,